Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. As usual, I'm your host, Josh Stone. So, obviously, I'm sure you can tell, the show's been gone for a bit. I'm sorry about that. Um, things have been a little busy, and I just couldn't find the time to do the recording and editing and posting. You know, the things that make a podcast. I, I, I couldn't really sit down and do that to the ability I wanted to. I thought about making a mini-episode, and you're going to see the fruits of that here in a couple seconds. But I didn't do that either, so instead I decided I was going to take about 30 seconds to start the show and tell you about all the things I didn't do. Yeah, anyway. So, today we're going to be talking to Renata. Today is part one of our three-part X-Men extravaganza. Renata's been with us before. Last time she joined the show, we talked a lot about the X-Men, so I'm glad she was willing to come back and talk even more about the X-Men. She and I are going to take a trip down memory lane and revisit some classic apocalypse-themed episodes from the 1990s animated show The X-Men. For those that want to watch along at home, we'll be discussing The Cure and Come the Apocalypse, both of which are from Season 1, Obsession from Season 3, the Beyond Good and Evil arc from Season 4, and The Fifth Horseman from Season 5. All of those episodes are available through Hulu Plus, if you're a Hulu Plus subscriber, If you're not, I'm sure there's some libraries out there that own X-Men animated series DVDs. Whatever you do, please, if you're going to watch along, do it legally. That's all I'm asking. Anyway, so back when I thought I was going to do a mini-episode, I put out a call on the Twitter for some graphic novel recommendations. So thank you to everyone who did tweet me. I really do appreciate that. I'm going to read off some of those recommendations right now. I personally just finished reading Prez from DC Comics and Paper Girls from Image. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a review of those in our next episode because I read them and they were really good. So I figured I'll talk a little bit more about those. And besides, this episode is already jam-packed. Renata and I, spoiler alert, talked a very long time about the X-Men. Anyway, Bridget at Bridget Rowan wrote in to say that she's been enjoying Volume 3 of The Wicked and the Divine. That particular volume is written by Kieran Gillen, which, you know, he wrote all the other ones. But this was the series where they had a bunch of guest artists. So the art style in this volume is a little different. Any listeners out there that have listened before know that I am absolutely in love with all things The Wicked and the Divine. So obviously I highly recommend this as well. Unfortunately, right now I'm a bit behind, so sorry. Again, I'm behind in everything. Wow. Anyway, Bridget also recommended Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Ba. I haven't read that one, so I, I don't know. It's been in my repile for a while. I know that I've ordered it for our library system, and I recommend you do the same because it's been critically acclaimed and a highly reviewed book all over the place. So add it to your collection. Another recommendation comes in from Tars at iRobotLibrarian on Twitter. He had a few recommendations. He encourages you all to pick up Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland, Volume 1. I haven't read this series yet, but I do adore all of Scotty Young's work to date. He is a great storyteller and a phenomenal illustrator. He's just the absolute best. If I could, I would cover my entire body in Scotty Young tattoos. That's how much I love his art. Tars also recommended Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn and Jared K. Fletcher. I'll talk more about that book soon, so I'm going to hold off a little bit there. But Tars is right. Your library should own it. And another one he mentioned is called Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda. 
This graphic novel will come out in July, but based on what I've read about it, it sounds fantastic. I haven't read the single issues yet. I'm looking forward to reading it when it comes out in trade. I just ordered a copy, or several copies actually, for my library system the other day. It seems like it's going to be great for anyone out there who's read the single issues. They already say it is great. If you're one of those people, awesome. All right, so Renata also brought in some recommendations. You know, the same Renata we're going to be talking to today. One was called Strange Fruit, The Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History by Joel Christian Gill. This book ca- this book came out a couple years ago, and it has nothing but glowing reviews. So very solid pick by Renata, and one geared specifically to all-age readers. She recommends um, Delilah Dirk and The King's Shilling by Tony Cliff. I have not read anything about that series before, but before I started recording, I looked it up. It looks great. I think I might pick it up. So good job, Renata. Some great picks there. All right, finally, there was a fun anecdote from Pam. You can find her on Twitter at C-A-V-E-C-I-B-U-M. I I don't want to mess up the pronunciation. Anyway, she tells us a story about her 16-year-old niece that feels very removed from politics. When Pam told her about the plot of DC's Prez, she became very interested in the book. Pam's niece doesn't traditionally read graphic novels either, so she was able to pull her in to a couple different things with this book, which is awesome, so... You know, her niece is going to care a little bit more about graphic novels now and probably feel a little vindicated as into her view of politics. So very good. And I hope Pam will tell us what her niece thinks about the book when she's done. All right. So those are some of the book recommendations. If you, dear listener, ever have any book recommendations, feel free to share those with me at any time. You can tweet me at Assemble Podcast. You can drop me an email librariansassemble at gmail.com you can go to the website librariansassemble.com you can go on facebook and find us there just type in librariansassemble on facebook i'm on there there are numerous ways to find me please take a minute to rate review and subscribe the podcast i would really appreciate it and yeah the podcast can be found anywhere if you're listening to it right now you obviously know that if you're not listening right now i'll tell you where you can find it but that doesn't seem That seemed kind of counterintuitive. Anyways, we're on iTunes, Google Play Music. We're on Player.fm, Stitcher, a couple other places I forget the names of. We're everywhere. And if we're somewhere, if we're not somewhere, I should say, that you want us to be, again, hit me up. I'll see what I can do to get us on there. All right, so let's find out what Renata and I think about the old X-Men animated series. Should be fun. See you on the other side. Hey everyone, welcome to one of many of my X-Men podcasts that are about to hit the airwaves soon. With me for for this exciting and a lot of um, probably emotionally driven episode is Renata. She's a teen services librarian. She's been on the show before. And last time she was on, we talked just in general about comics. But we we talked a lot about X-Men and we both 
connected over our love for especially 90s X-Men. So with the movie coming out, X-Men Apocalypse, which seems to take place and focus on a lot of the late 80s and 90s versions of the X-Men, we thought it would be a great time to revisit the classic 1990s X-Men cartoon. And yeah, so we did, and we've, we found most of, we skipped a couple, but we found most of the Apocalypse-themed episodes. So today we're going to be talking about the episodes The Cure, which happened in Season 1, The Obsession, oh, nope, sorry, The Cure Part 1, Part 2 of that was Come the Apocalypse, which is also Season 1. Then we're going to skip to Season 3 and talk about Obsession. Then we're going to do a lot in Season 4. There's a four-part art called Beyond Good and Evil. Episode, what was that, 8 through 11, I think it was. And then finally, we're going to skip to Season 5 and talk about The Fifth Horseman. So, before we get to all that, Renata, how have you been doing? Um, you know, like like we talked about before, I have been a little bit sick. but You've been then under the weather. I have, but I got into the Lazarus Chamber. As one and- should. Mm-hmm, just for a little bit, and now I'm I'm reborn, and I'm ready to talk about X-Men. I'm ready to go. So, before we do that, how was your experience in one of Apocalypse's many temples? It was you, exhilarating. If you exhilarate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, this podcast is done now. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, so, if you were doing a Yelp review on one of his, his temples, what would you give it? Would you give it a good review? Um, you know, I, I'd have to break it down. I'd probably give it like three stars overall <laughs> three stars? Okay. and I, you know, like five stars for it did heal me, yeah. but yeah, minus points. Cause it was kind of like culturally appropriative and I felt a little uncomfortable uh, yeah. uh, being there, especially as a white person. I was like, I, and I don't know, is this the Egyptian one? Am I in the Incan Mayan one? Yeah, Can't tell. I, I, most of my notes when we get, when we get to that episode are like, Wait, which exact South American or Latin American country are we in? How did he get here? Wasn't he Egyptian? What's going on? (laughs) So, yeah, when we get there, I have a lot of notes because I'm sure I'll repeat this, but I just finished our watch this morning at 4.30. I woke up. I couldn't sleep anymore, thanks to my cat. And I was like, (laughs) you know, I was going to finish this this rewatch on my lunch break, but, you know... I can't sleep. Might as well watch 90s television. So that's what I did. What better way to start your day? What better way to start your day than with a a side of (laughs) X-Men? Who needs breakfast when you have that that X-Men? Okay. So are you ready to jump right in this? I'm ready. Okay. So before we start talking about the episodes themselves, let's talk about our love for X-Men. Because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of negative things to say going forward. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about the fact that we do love the X-Men, right? I mean, would we oh, sit through time. all all of this crap if we didn't love the X-Men? Would I be doing this is part 1 of 3 X-Men themed podcasts I'm about to do. And you are also doing several <laughs> X-Men related podcasts. Yeah, this is I think my second of 4 X-Men See? podcasts that I'm recording this month. <laughs> so Obviously, if, if I may plug, um, you may listen to me talking about X Men on the Worst Bestsellers, which is a podcast I normally co-host, and then Bellwether Friends, a podcast that I will guest uh, upon to talk about the movie 
after it comes out. Very good. See, which those... by the time you're listening to this podcast, the movie has come out. Yes, I'm so hoping. I'm we hoping are this time be traveling a... through podcasts, just Absolutely. like Apocalypse. Yeah, we we are staying so true to the <laughs> essence that is X Men. To the the confusing time jumps. We... And... I, I believe that I'm going to be recording an episode with a future relative of mine that's older than me right now. So that's going to be fun. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that's going to happen, people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose a hand at some point. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't see because this is an audio podcast, but I have like seven pouches strapped to myself right now. It's true. With just all my extra podcast supplies in them yeah, for just never, in case. In case one microphone goes down, you got another one ready. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's one One's thing, just snacks, just we, in case. If we've learned anything from our rewatch of 90s X-Men is you can never have enough pouches. Just never. Never. And then sometimes you need pouches inside your pouches. Because yes, what if one of the other pouches fails? Yeah, you got to have a... It's like a backup parachute, but but different. Yeah. Much, much I different. I wonder. I would love to do an interview with like one of the artists. I guess it would probably be like Rob Liefeld. I feel oh, like God. invented the pouch. And just be like, so in you, like when you were drawing this, what did you think was in these pouches? They don't look really bulgy. Like they're holding that much. I know. I, I have so many mixed feelings on people like Rob Liefeld and, and Scott Lobdell who in the 90s were were god among men <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were just creating some of my favorite stories drawing some of my favorite x-men in rob leefield's case creating many of the x-men that we would come to love now like like deadpool so to to have grown up in that era is so so bad because like i thought it was amazing but i was so I young know. and so naive and looking back at it now, because I'm currently rereading the entire Age of Apocalypse saga. And again, just m- like much of these X-Men cartoons, in my memory, Age of Apocalypse was the best. <laughs> like, I loved it so much. Going back through it has been very challenging. <laughs> <laughs> from just a story standpoint, from an art standpoint, some art is much better than others. From a Marvel Unlimited standpoint, like I, I subscribe to that Marvel Unlimited service, and they have their thing that says suggested reading order. I don't mm-hmm. know who suggested it. It seems <laughs> it seems like they did it so that it would be more convoluted, because they're like, well, it is an X Men series, so let's make it as complicated as possible. So I feel very much like I'm jumping all over the place. But anyways, we love the X Men. Who is your favorite X Man? Oh, that's such a hard question. Right now, uh, right this minute, because it can oh change God. at any moment. Right now. I know. Um, <laughs> my my heart says Wolverine. Your heart says Wolverine. Wolverine's it's never Wolverine. been one of my favorites. See, and but... I think this is a problem, and I, I feel like it is a little played out to like Wolverine, but this is... But I think it's coming back. Of... I think a it's okay bit. again. Is it? I, don't... I, th- I think I, so. I, I often feel judged for it, but Whoa. it's... it's you should partly... never feel judged for liking what you like. Just I mean, that, and that's the like moral it? of the X-Men, that, is that we all have to come together in harmony no yeah. matter what X-Men you like. Yeah, because there are mutants, there are people out there with extraordinary powers that want to hurt us, so we can't let our differences divide us. Exactly. We need to unite around defeating, I mean, Apocalypse. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, but I, so I feel like because I grew up with this '90s cartoon, I feel like I was just really imprinted on this team. Yeah, and so I this love is my team. All of yeah. them, yeah. Even even as the canon evolved, and some of them are just like, I, I don't really know what's happening with you, but I still am like ride or die for all of these. <laughs> I know. If it's if you're a late '80s to mid '90s X Man, I I got your back. I'll defend you. I even defend Jubilee. One of the most exciting parts to me of the new trailer for the X-Men Apocalypse movie was seeing Jubilee. Oh, yeah. I, like, I am I am hella it. stoked for Jubilee. Get it. Like, I think I, especially probably like as a girl watching mm-hmm. the, this cartoon, like Jubilee was really kind of the audience stand in in yeah. general. But especially, I think, for girls because she was like the girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. I Ooh. see what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but she definitely was because, I mean take us take away this the aspect that she was the new one so she was our introduction to the x-men mm-hmm. but she's the youngest she's one. the youngest so all you know the kids relate to her all the other women on the show though like jean gray or mystique or even when psylocke shows up and rogue most of them are already strong confident like yeah, very they're, powerful they're grown-ass ladies they're grown-ass women and I, I love them all also, but differently, like more mm-hmm. aspirationally. Yes. There there is so there are so many of those characters that I love. And having said all that, all that positive stuff, one of my <laughs> favorite X-Men has always been Gambit. Oh, same. And I We we discussed this last time. We did, we did talk about it. <laughs> but it it makes me so uncomfortable now. Like I feel judged <laughs> for liking Gambit because we live in a world where like Back in the 90s, Gambit being a ladies' man was cool. <laughs> now, uh, he's a creeper. He's he a straight-up creeper. <laughs> well, he is when you watch the 90s cartoon. That is one thing I like in the comics is how people writing Gambit have had a shift to that. Like, ooh, this yeah. isn't cool anymore. So mm-hmm. now we got to, like, kind of see what else we can do here. Is there any? Are there any other layers to this onion we can explore? Or is he really <laughs> just a womanizing weirdo who walks around with playing cards all the time? He's not, and he, I could spend seven hours just talking about that. I, I feel like that is what <laughs> our our podcast friendship is coming to, Renata, is that one day we will record a seven-hour marathon episode defending Gambit. <laughs> um, on, uh, on Worst Bestsellers, when we were talking about X-Men, my friend Carolyn and I decided we want to start a side podcast called more wolverine please that's just about us being the only two people who are like you know what i don't think wolverine is in too many movies i think he should be in more movies you see and so maybe we we should just have it kind of be like the unpopular x-men opinions yeah podcast where it's like more wolverine more gambit this is all fine yeah i'm i'm down for that (laughs) we have to defend those who are are attacked the most especially in the x-men universe because (laughs) There are so many good characters in the X-Men universe, and there are so many bad characters in the X-Men universe. Yes, um, and we need, to, we need to speak up for the handsome white man. We do. No one else will. You know, he's, he's the most uh, overlooked, underutilized part of the team. Why will no one think of the white man? Um, yeah, that's... That took a, a dark turn. So let's get <laughs> so back, back to the nineties. Okay, yeah, the so. other thing I want to say before we really dive into these specific episodes is it. 
Um, you know, I loved this cartoon when I was a kid, but I didn't come from a family that was like into comics. So I don't think I even really understood that there were comics of X-Men or that there was other stuff of X-Men until way later in my life. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's a good, especially for people of our generation. I think that's something unique to talk about because, this show, Batman the Animated Series, the Spider-Man Animated Series, for a lesser extent, Superman, I think um, I think a lot of us, the, this was our gateway drug into comics. Because I remember, I remember reading comics before I had watched the X-Men TV show. Mm-hmm. But it was, as I've said numerous times on any podcast that people will let me on, um, I grew up and I'm still a huge Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. So all of my comic reading up until like 1992 or whenever this show came out was Spider-Man. Like that's all, all I have, all I had, all I would pick up, all I cared about. So I didn't really have any no, like knowledge of, at all about the world outside of Peter Parker's life. So this, this show, like, uh, an older brother of a friend of mine introduced us to this show and i was like wow <laughs> like it was so it like like one of those pivotal moments in in a person's life where like i remember exactly where i was i remember being in in that their house watching the very first episode the night of the sentinels i even remember what the hell it was called and not just because i passed through it a second ago but I did already know what it was called. I remember owning the VHS tape because they put out a VHS of the first, like, hour-long episode of it. Yeah, they were sponsored by Pizza Hut. Damn, Or at least get mine it. was. Yeah, no, I think mine was too. <laughs> Pizza Pizza Hut used to be awesome. They used to have, like, Ninja Turtle toys. They used to have all kinds <laughs> of cool stuff at Pizza Hut. Now they just have mediocre pizza and pretty decent wings. But anyway, um, so yeah, this was... Like you, like you were saying, I, I didn't. I don't come from. I'm an only child, and my mom isn't a comic book reader. So th- this is how I got in. This this was my. The floodgates have opened now. Like there's something outside of the world of Spider-Man, and your <laughs> life is never going to be the same. Sorry, kid. So yeah, but, what was but your, now what was having gone back and and watched <laughs> these, I'm like, wait, like. Why did I like this so much? Why did I grow up to read Infinity X Men comics? Like, did I even? There's and it's impressive, but these are such convoluted episodes, and it's so, like, honestly, I still don't think I understand what happened. Uh, one of the episodes I watched twice because I was I couldn't pay attention to it. I watched it again. I was like, I don't. Okay, I'm just done. I guess that's fine. I don't understand, like, what I was getting out of this as a child. I think yeah. it was mainly just, like, oh, like a Ghibli's coat. That's cool. Yeah. I think that was probably, like, the level I was at, and I was into it just for that. And now I'm like, oh, there was more, and I don't know. I don't know what I was getting out of it. I I recall being very obsessed with this, this particular one. Like, obviously, I was obsessed with the Spider-Man cartoon as well. But for X-Men, it was different. This was, like, my first encounter and i think i might be a little older than you maybe so like maybe i was like i'm i'll put it out here i'm 30 oh okay i'm 30 i'm about to be 32 everybody 
So, yeah, I mean, we're roughly the same age. So I was a couple years older than you when the show was out then. So And still are a couple years older than me, unless you have no, time traveled. We have time traveled. We've already established that. that <laughs> That's the time, right. I, we've I didn't already, know like, what version you're on. We you already are. blew up the timeline. So <laughs> don't even try to go back and fix it. Um, but I remember as a kid, this was like the, my first experience of like, oh, my God, I want the story. I want to figure out what's going on. I would remember things it was like my first real nerdy investment in something where like i wanted the backstory i wanted more i wanted to know what the plot was like it wasn't just like the action like i legitimately as a kid cared about like this soap opera like you know i was like this this is something i want to know more about and going back and watching it now i'm like i'm thinking how did you keep up with this young man like there's no way you kept up with this yeah, because, you know, this was before the internet. Yeah. Uh, like, because for me, I went and I read some Wikipedia plot summaries for some of these episodes because I couldn't really tell what was supposed to be happening. You mean and you then... didn't just read the summaries I sent you in the email where I wrote, Archangel is obsessed with Apocalypse? That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you well, anything I, you I need to I read that and I was like, I need more. <laughs> no. How could you need more? <laughs> I've given you everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we, we didn't have that. We didn't even, well, like I said, I didn't have comics. This was really before public libraries were into comics at all. <laughs> yeah, well before that, sadly. So we, you were you were adrift. You were out there on your own, man. You had to, if you wanted to know, you had to really do your, your legwork back in the day, man. If you're under the age of like 20-something and you're listening to this, you don't know. You just yeah, don't you know. Kids, you youngsters, also get off my lawn, all that other cliched stuff. All right. So, yeah, man, X-Men was like my X-Men was my soap opera for lack of like. No, it's not, that's a good term. It's not for lack yeah. of a better term. It is a soap opera. So yeah, absolutely. This was like this was my grandma would every time I'd spend time with my grandma, she's like, be quiet. My stories are coming on. This was my story. <laughs> this These yeah. were my stories, man. So, yeah, let's. Let's revisit our stories, Renata. All right. You ready to do this? I'm ready. All right. So we're going to start in Season 1, Episode 9. If you feel like, listener, dear listener, if you feel like watching these and then listening to us, now would be a time to hit pause. All of these episodes are available on Hulu Plus if you're a Hulu Plus subscriber. Um, I don't know where else you can legally find them. I'm sure you can illegally find them. Anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, because you kids are so lucky with your internet. Oh, here we go. We're going to keep yelling at the kids all episode. (laughs) That's what I like to do in podcasts is just alienate the youth. Yeah. Um, Well, the good news is it's my understanding that the youth have moved on from podcasts anyway. That's true. They're like vloggers. Yeah. So they they have no idea that we're yelling at them right now. And even if they did... This is not the podcast the youth is listening to. <laughs> I'm fully aware of that. Um, but if for some reason you do want to follow along at home, this would be the time to stop. We're at season one, episode nine. It's called The Cure. We're going to talk about this one and the very next one, episode 10, Come the Apocalypse. They're a two-part series here. So if you want to just go ahead and watch both of those, I'm not going to be offended if you stop listening to us now and come back. Do, do come back, though. I'm sure funny stuff will happen, good stuff will happen, insightful stuff is bound to happen. Maybe. Absolutely. Depends on how low you set the bar, and I strongly encourage you 
to always set the bar as low as possible. So here we go. So do you want to start with some of your takes? Do we want to start with a plot summary? You said you looked up plot summaries. I did. I already closed that tab. Okay. Well, but, um, that's I, I can... I, think I mean, okay, can... so this one is called The Cure. The Cure. And, uh, and it had have... no songs from Robert Smith in it, which is... None at all. Very disappointing. They probably just couldn't get the rights. Yeah, that, I bet you that's what it was. <laughs> um, and if anyone, if you have seen the movie X-Men 3, colon, The Last Stand, you might recognize slight elements of that. That's true. Also a, a different comics plot arc. Uh, where there's, uh, you know, somebody has maybe found a cure for uh, having mutant abilities and Rogue thinks maybe she might want to take it. Because if you forgot, Rogue's power is that she can drain other people's power from touching them, but she can't control it. So she can't touch anybody or she'll make them pass out and die. Yes. She doesn't want to do that. That's an accurate description of Rogue's power. So she hears about this cure and she's like, oh, maybe I'll do that. And, uh, oh, it starts off with Cable getting attacked. Or or is Cable attacking? I already forgot. Like, I was talking before I started recording about how I have this real problem with Cable, where I just don't find him memorable. And I, I think this is one, I think Cable was on the offensive here. I think think he, he was confused. I don't think he meant to be. Uh, he was because it was Warren Worthington, aka Angel, aka Archangel, who was getting attacked. Was that this one? Wasn't oh that? Yes. <laughs> sure. I my notes are a little not yes. my, oh, the my, most helpful, but I no, wrote you're the right quote, because I have a note here that says opening with weak and weird angel scene. So well, my note just says <laughs> Ah dang is cable in this, Aw, dang. and then. <laughs> Pal, you picked the wrong chalet to terrorize, which is a quote. Yes. And I, I believe that was Angel objecting to being terrorized yes, in he, his chalet. How dare you? <laughs> yes, Angel is a man of refined taste and very, um, very good means. And he you is, should respect his chalet. Don't you mess with a man's chalet. <laughs> don't do it. So they, does this, I, I was confused because a lot of this takes place on Muir Island. Yep. But the, not the chalet. But not the chalet, right? <laughs> but, like, Angel was also very close to Muir Island because he got there very quickly. Or it I mean, also seemed like is, he was there the entire time. <laughs> the thing is, he can fly. Oh. <laughs> and he can fly very fast. Yep. That's why Cable was never able to hit him with his laser gun. With his future aiming technology, was still never able to get Angel out of the sky. So, um, yeah, so it opens with that, and then we and, and then we go to the the mansion trying to. Are they're they're having some kind of battle actually first, and then they go back to the mansion. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I don't know how anybody gets anywhere. I think Professor X is on Muir Island talking to his his uh, his boo. Yeah. About what she's allowing to happen at her facility. So his boo is, is Moira. Thank who, you. I, if I you fit... have seen, if you have seen the the movies, she's in it as a CIA agent. If you are not familiar, she yes. is actually not that in, in the in comics and cartoon continuity. She is a geneticist who yes. works with 
slash dates Charles Xavier. Yes. Sometimes. His on-again, off-again romance with the geneticist Moira. Romance slash scientific collaborator. Yeah, you know, the lines are blurry. All Mm -hmm. over the X-Men universe, lines are blurry. Yeah. So he's talking to her about this cure. Somehow it gets back to Rogue that there's a cure. And it's like on the news or something. Yeah, that's what. They're at the mansion. They hear about it on the news. Everyone... Yeah, they're building something. This is the one where they're, like, doing Habitat for Humanity. They're all rebuilding something. No, I think they're just rebuilding the mansion. Oh, so there must have been an attack we missed in an earlier episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing Habitat for themselves. They're doing Habitat for their humanity. (laughs) Habitat Um, for mutant tanity. Mutant tanity. There we go. (laughs) So, yeah, they're rebuilding the mansion. Wolverine is laying it on thick with Gambit calling him a, a layabout. And... I, I wrote down this line because I loved it. Uh, Wolverine, yeah, because Gambit's like goofing around. He's not building as seriously as he could be. Because he doesn't take yeah, anything seriously. He doesn't take it seriously, except on the inside, maybe he does. But Wolverine <laughs> says, too bad you don't know how to do anything but pick pockets and steal candy from babies. <laughs> <laughs> which I I will side with Wolverine. Those are technically two different skill sets. Yes. Because babies don't have pockets. There are a lot of babies that don't have pockets. Yeah. Only, so... I mean, certain babies do have pockets, but they generally live in chalets. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're, they're, they're babies of, you know, like a different, a different economic means than other babies. And they, they've got the fanciest candy. And they, they do have the candy you want to steal. They've got like Toblerones. <laughs> That's the fanciest candy I know. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know a fancy candy. So uh, I'm glad one of us knew a fancy candy. <laughs> That's what babies eat until Gambit steals from them. Yeah. So, you know, keeping up his, he's got a reputation to uphold and that he's a dirtbag and stealing candies from babies is, is a bad thing to do. So, well, you know what, though? He steals the candy from a baby, but then he gives it to a lady to cheer her up. I see what he's doing there. And you know what? Babies shouldn't even be eating candy anyway. Yeah. It's really so bad for them. He's doing them a solid, yeah, if you he, think about it. He's looking out for baby, for babies everywhere. <laughs> and he's looking for babies, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Gambit's life is all about babies. <laughs> he's looking for babies, hoping he's not the father of the babies. <laughs> he, he likes to walk up to babies and be like... Look at their eyes. They got red eyes. What color is that baby's hair? All right. That ain't my baby. <laughs> Gambit has probably appeared on uh, Maury more times than any other mutant. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> anyway. So, That's mainly what this episode is about. Yeah. It's mainly about Gambit stealing candy. It's mainly about Gambit's paternity test. Yeah. Um, Cable does something that I forgot already. Uh, Gambit steals candy, mm. and then it's just like credits. And then it's a lot of Rogue just being sad. <laughs> a lot of Rogue being sad in these two episodes. I mean, so, and, okay, this is another thing that I'm obsessed with about this uh, thing. So Rogue like is thinking about going to do the cure, and mm-hmm. Gambit comes up and he's like, you, sh- you know, shouldn't do that, whatever. And she's like, uh, you know, uh, he's like, just stay here and give me a kiss. And she's like, you know, I can't kiss you because of my powers. And then she leaves, and he's standing there, and he wears these fingerless gloves, and he's always, like, hitting on Rogue. They're not all... Not every finger is fingerless. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Only but a like... couple fingers do 
<laughs> his gloves are so stupid. I don't, gloves. I don't know why I like him so much. Like, he is stupid. It's like but, the two middle fingers have right. fingers, but then yeah. the outside ones don't, right? Was that even a thing? I don't think like, that's ever been a thing. I, I mean, I've predominantly only ever lived in Florida, mm. so my need for gloves has been, like, minimum. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I'm not a glove expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I can't imagine those have ever been a, a style of glove worn by anyone yeah. other than right. creepy Cajuns. Mm-hmm. And, like, where where did he get them? Maybe he... I think they're... What they're, is the purpose? They're made. They're, like, they're tailor-made. He's, he's got a glove guy, right? You know, wait, I wonder if it's supposed to be, like, because he's always blowing stuff up, but, like, he'll throw the card with just, like, two fingers. Yes. But it's not those two fingers. No, it's one <laughs> one covered finger and one uncovered finger. <laughs> so Because it's his makes... middle and index finger he uses to throw them. It's not... He doesn't use his ring and middle finger to throw the cards, does he? <laughs> I don't well you know the animation is very cheaply done so maybe that's how his hand works that's true <laughs> and this, um, i seem to remember this animation being just like the best back in the 90s i now mean I'm like, compared to its competition it maybe was i don't really you remember. know it it went head to head with eek the cat so i don't think it had a lot of competition <laughs> um Anyway, so maybe maybe Gambit started off with normal gloves and he accidentally exploded a couple fingers. I like that, that theory. It's either that or he literally has somebody on his payroll that makes him weird trench coats and finger, like, oddly numbered fingered gloves. <laughs> and hot pink armor. And hot like, pink armor. Like, you know, this normally just comes in, like, black. And he's like, no. Listen, mon ami. <laughs> I, need, I need hot pink. It brings out my eyes. <laughs> and if I'm if I'm out there trying to pick up ladies, I need my eyes to be popping. So So Gambit's got a lot going on. <laughs> anyway, my point Again, like, welcome to our like seven five hour minutes podcast. He is like trying to comfort her, but he can't touch her because of his stupid gloves. And if he would just wear regular gloves, he could like hold her hand with them or like, you know, pat her shoulder. But he, he cannot. He's too proud. He's too proud to wear a full glove. Mm-mm. You know? I always said Gambit's downfall is going to be his pride. So. Anyway, that is not what this episode is about. But it's all that I want to talk it, about. Isn't it though? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't this what the. Isn't, isn't all five seasons about what the hell is up with Gambit's gloves? <laughs> and why won't he just put a regular glove on so he can at least like touch rogue on the shoulder or caress her face or something right i to be fair i think some of the episodes are about what is happening with wolverine's headpiece a lot is happening with that headpiece yeah how much gel does that guy use to keep his hair up like that i mean or all the gel is, are we saying all the gel or just 90 percent of the gel or like what's the texture of it like maybe it's not spandex maybe it's hard like a viking hat mm. or something and then his hair is shaped by the hat by the hat Hmm. I don't know. We really need to get one of these old X Men cartoonists on the on the horn. Yeah, but on but on the other hand, maybe that's what all of Wolverine's pouches are full of is like emergency gel, um, emergency po- <laughs> hair products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I imagine it is. In you know, 
Wolverine always says he's the best at what he does, and what he does is style his hair. Mm-hmm. So there we go. So I guess the episode really was about Rogue deciding she no longer wants to feel like she can't connect with other people because she can't physically touch them. Mm-hmm. So she, you have she a good like note about up, this. <laughs> she straight up flies away from first, Gambit. First and she then, tries no, to she... <laughs> There we go. Get to you. You have a good note about this. Yeah. Okay. So she <laughs> she flies away from Gambit yes. to get into her car, and then her he. Yeah, it was top down so she can jump right into it after she flies. And then she's like, I'm going, and she has like a guide to Scotland in her car and she's just like driving, driving along. But you can't drive to Scotland. Not with that and attitude, you can't. You can't drive. <laughs> and also, she can fly. But she, <laughs> and then eventually she does like remember. I don't know what she did with her car. I guess she just like abandoned it. I think I like to imagine that she picked it up and threw it in the ocean when she out of a fit of rage <laughs> right. when, when there was no bridge there. <laughs> she's like, I'm sure, I'm sure Gambit will steal me another one. Right. <laughs> and then she's like, Oh no, my guide to Scotland was in that. Now it's underwater. Oh no, how am I gonna get there? <laughs> But then she flies up in the air, and then she finds an airplane that I guess is going to Scotland, and she sits on the wing of it. <laughs> and there's this hilarious moment where she freaks out a guy who's on the plane, and he looks out and sees her, and he gets the stewardess, and she relocates yeah. so that by the time the stewardess gets there, he has his little, like, Twilight Zone moment. Yeah, she straight up Twilight Zones, that dude. <laughs> Not cool, Rogue, Not to be cool. honest. You know, like, you, you're... Your whole motivation is that you feel like an outcast, and here you are alienating other people and making everyone think they're nuts. Like, you're just, all you're doing is perpetuating this this cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so one of the takeaways I had early in this episode is that this team, this team of friends, this team of colleagues really has no idea how other people feel. Because like no. they're so judgmental when they're hearing about this cure. They're like, who would want that? If you want that, you're a traitor. Only stupid people want to do that. And all, totally. the, and all the while, like Rogue is just sitting there like looking downtrodden. And everyone looks at her. Everyone sees her. Everyone knows what her power is and that she can't <laughs> control it. And they just keep on going. And it's not until Jean is basically like, hey, why don't we sh- shut up for a minute? I think we're hurting one of our friend's feelings. But even Gambit, who all all he ever does is pay attention to Rogue, is yeah. like, sure, what, what are we doing? Why are you so upset? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and she just takes off. He's like, I don't I don't get women. I don't understand. So Yeah, and then he goes off to steal some candy. And then he's like, Oh, my blood sugar's low, I gotta go steal some candy. <laughs> I gotta eat my feelings about the fact that Rogue left again. <laughs> And then I'll get some time in the in the danger room later and work it off. Yeah, he's got to keep that eight pack abs. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise those hot pink that hot pink armor is not going to fit right. And the last thing you want is walking around in hot pink armor that doesn't fit right. Oh, it's the worst. Trust me, I've been there. So, so she so gets that's there. definitely what this episode is about. Is about that. is about hot pink armor and no one understanding how anyone feels. The nineties were not a good time for people taking other people's feelings into consideration. We were still learning that we weren't the only people in the world. I think we are still learning that in many ways. Yeah. So when Rogue gets to to Scotland, 
she first thing she does, I think, is head to the bar. Is that because that's where she meets um, Avalanche and Pyre, right? Uh, yeah, it's not clear because the bar. There's a whole bunch of mutants at the bar hanging out. I, there's like a wait list to get. It's like to a the wait. Cure. It's like their wait room. Yeah. There's there's old magazine like every weight room. There's old magazines, uncomfortable chairs, and lots of liquor, mm-hmm. and a dartboard, and a dartboard. That's so. Whenever I'm I go not to the clear doctor, if she like, sh- and maybe they just skipped the scene where she checked in to get the cure, and they're like, "Got to go back to the bar. We'll, yeah, we'll call we'll your call doctor call you when we're time. ready. Mm-hmm. You have an appointment a week from Tuesday at three thirty. Make mm-hmm. sure you just... have your insurance card. You know all that stuff." Mm-hmm. Please, please arrive early so you can fill out the paperwork. You know, we, we all we understand how it goes. So I guess we did. And, really and it was it. before Obama, so she had to be like, "Thanks, Bill Clinton." Yeah, she's like, "Thanks, Clinton." So yeah, yeah, no, we we get it, we get it. Yeah, so there's all these mutants there, and Cable is there again, also. Like, oh, lurking. and that's why that's why they introduced Warren at first because he was the first one to get the cure because he wanted... This is another thing that I know happens other times in the X-Men continuity, but Warren is always like, I hate being a mutant. I want to get rid of these awesome angel wings that I have. I want to get rid of these luxurious wings I have. And, and, you know, you get it because, like, his dad disapproves and he's a businessman or whatever. But, like, that is the best mutant power. And he's like, oh, it's disgusting. Get rid as, of these awesome as wings. As far as mutant powers go, it's one of the only ones that truly makes sense. You mm-hmm. know, like, from a genetic standpoint, I can see that, like, somehow his DNA was messed up and it thinks he's half bird and gave him wings. <laughs> like, I can suspend my disbelief for that. Yeah. More than, more than I can... A man touches an object and it turns into a bomb. Um, the wings I get. And, like, uh, at the same time, wouldn't... If a man walked around with angel wings, wouldn't, like, the world just start worshipping him? <laughs> like, wouldn't wouldn't he capitalize on this at some point and be like, no, for no. real, I am one of God's angels. And we should all give well, me Gambit's and- baby candy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, in, what is it? I think it's an all-new X-Men that something happened to him, and he's, like, dazed and confused, and he does sort of semi-permanently think that he is an actual angel. Oh, cool. Um, full so that, disclosure, you know, I am happen. way... I am no longer keeping up with any X-Men. Uh, I mean, it's it's very difficult it's to do. It's very difficult to do. I have They're th- even harder to keep up with than the Kardashians. And that's another one I don't keep up with anymore. <laughs> I Only when I go down to Miami, I see them. We hang out. But then for the rest of the time, it's just hard to keep up with them. They're just busy. They're on the go. Yeah. They're not, they, are, they are girls on the go. You know? Yeah. So You know what? They're, that's probably uh, Gambit gets all his gloves from Kardashian's dash boutique. Yes. I, I knew I recognized him when I was driving around there <laughs> li- lately. I was like, hey, who is that guy hanging outside of Dash? I know him. Anyway, so, like, that hair looks very familiar. Yeah, well, he had his sunglasses on, so you couldn't tell for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, in the sun, the hot pink armor looked a little different. So I was like, it can't be Gambit. That doesn't look like hot pink. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so Avalanche and Pyro are terrible characters. I don't understand what they were doing. I don't understand what their plan with Mystique ever was supposed to be. They were so, oh. they were waiting in the bar to meet Mystique, but Mystique was I busy think impersonating there, like, a, a scientist. To be Mystique's henchman, yeah. And this was something that I was a little confused about. I think I figured it out 
So Mystique is impersonating Dr. Adler, who's the guy who invented the cure. Correct. And I wasn't sure if there, if was, there like, was a real Dr. Adler. Or if somebody she made up. Right. I don't but, think, but I don't think Mystique's... Let's get real nerdy for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mystique's powers work that way. I think she can only take the shape of somebody she's seen. Does that sound familiar? I think they're real wavy about that. Yeah, it changes. Um, but I don't think there was a real Dr. Adler because there was no <sighs> real cure. And also Adler is Mystique's girlfriend's last name. So I figured that was just her being mm-hmm. cute. Okay. I thought there was a real Adler, but your argument has changed my mind. Well, because there, there's also, no cure. It, there is it's, no cure. It's only, there's only apocalypse. Ooh, well played. Nice tie in there. So, yeah, okay. So, there there was no Adler, but she was pretending to be. So, the whole thing was she was working for Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The cure was basically Apocalypse's attempt to turn mutants that he wanted for some reason into his personal slaves. Yeah. So that they but would... not the four horsemen. He wasn't turning them into horsemen which is like another thing that he does yes he this is a separate this is a separate thing like he made his four horsemen first which archangel was part of and then i think his the goal was then to just keep making slaves that would report directly to the four horsemen right like he wanted like a hierarchy i think i think yeah he, wanted, he was like, like yeah he, these horsemen they're gonna need somebody to like put the saddles on and off for mm, them he he wanted to make like an org chart of how apocalypse inc would work mm-hmm. so you know you have to, he had his upper management he needed his mid management lower management and then you know your your horse taker carers so he had it all figured out and, and you know in in apocalypse's defense he had good schematics for all of this he had a he had a good swat figured out for this he had a good business <laughs> plan he was you know applying for for grants from from scotland he had it all figured out if it were a good waiting room set had, up he, no one does waiting rooms like Apocalypse does waiting rooms. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, in his defense, he, he was a mutant who knew what he wants. Mm-hmm. So. Wait, sidebar. Is Apocalypse even a mutant? Let's or like... talk about this. Because I was having a lot of. Because he is. He's the world's oldest mutant. Allegedly. He's so old. He's so old. Dude, you're so old. Um, <laughs> gag. But yeah, from from what I recall in my X Men lore, he is the world's first mutant. Um, but over time, he became a machine. <laughs> like okay. I don't I don't know why he's so robotic. I think I I think a problem with Apocalypse is he was created in a time where like the Terminator was really cool. Uh huh. So like everyone was part machine. But they also wanted him to be a mutant because why else would he be interacting with the X-Men if he wasn't a mutant? Right. So his his powers were always weird because, like, a lot of his powers, especially in the cartoon, a lot of his powers were basically, like, I just have laser guns as powers. Yeah, because I think Apocalypse is supposed to be way scarier than I actually find him to be. Yes. Like, especially when I was a child, but also now... Just like, like, what is he? Is he a robot? Is he a person? What is he doing? Like, he is. What are his feelings? This, what is? What, what are, his, are dreams? his feelings? What, what is, kind of candy would he steal from a baby? Does he, he eat food? I don't know. He doesn't eat it. 
Um, he is beyond all of our earthly needs and wants and desires, for he yeah. is our true Lord and Savior. <laughs> oh, by the and way, like, I, I went to get the cure, and so I'm one of the horsemen now. Oh, okay, cool. Just full dis- <laughs> just for full disclosure. <laughs> um. Well, maybe you can tell me, like, even for a cartoon, he is so cartoonish that it's just like, yes, you know, he wears he wears that belt with a big A on it. Yeah, no, for I mean, apocalypse. Yeah, he. You know, even if there's one thing Apocalypse has always had his finger on is the need for accurate branding. Mm -hmm. He knew from day one that you need to let people know who you are and what you stand for. That's why he always wears his A belt. Mm -hmm. He always every temple has his face on it. So, you know, right away, this is Apocalypse temple. Don't mess around. This is who I am. This is what I want. He's yeah. very much the Donald Trump of mutants. <laughs> he he says what he but, says. But you know, though, also so is Charles Xavier. Um, you watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You know, not politically, but just you know, no, from a branding no. wise, from a, branding and from a standpoint, stupid rich again, point another, of view. Another guy who knew money equals power. Power means everyone has to do what I say. And what I want is for everyone to have X's so everyone knows that they're my team. Yeah. Except then the X files came out and he was like, no. Those aren't my, my files. Those aren't my <laughs> files. I called mine C files for Charles. <laughs> the one time I did it brand correctly. Um, yeah, I've always found the X-Men a bit troublesome in that aspect, like Charles Xavier really like really went all out as far as like on one hand he's the world's most compassionate peace-loving person who's all about unity and all about bringing people into harmony on the other side of that coin is make sure i get all the credit though i want to make sure everyone like everyone wears x's now um they're all x men even the women it doesn't matter they will respect me so, yeah, that's been troublesome from days. So the, that's why he's doomed to fight Apocalypse all the time. Yeah. It's a branding it, war. It's, it's the it's, Alpha and the Omega. It's the Coke versus Pepsi of <laughs> of mutants. Um, and it's hard, too, because then later there's Avengers versus X-Men for AVX, and Apocalypse is like, hey, like I was on the A, and Avengers are like, there's more of us, bro. Yeah. I don't know. He was outnumbered. And it, that happened in a time where, like, Apocalypse was getting no respect. Yeah, he might have been like back in his in his egg. Yeah, lab. he was in the he was in the Lazarus Temple pit. Wait, that's a different series. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, at some point we crossed over into summarizing episode ten because which makes sense because it's a they're, they're very episode. much connected. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had one more note here that I wanted to get to about in episode nine though is. Why do Avalanche and Pyro wear masks? For a lot of this episode, they don't have masks on. And they're clearly using their powers and wearing their costumes. And then when they go to fight, they put these stupid masks on that hide half of their face. And I'm like, but everyone's already seen you. Everyone knows what your power is. And you're still wearing the exact same clothes you wore earlier. So I don't understand what the point of their masks were. I guess they're like the pouches. They have style. No, they yeah. have no. They have no purpose. I really hate Avalanche and Pyro. 
I just I just wanted that I just want to get that off my chest. I really yeah. like the, those I like Pyro. I like what they did with Pyro in the movies and made him like a surly teen. Yeah, yeah, no, like, the Pyro in the movies was cool. The Pyro in the in the in the animated show definitely was just a waste of space. Yeah. Okay, so where are we going? Okay, so I guess let's start wrapping up episode 10 here. So let's see. Oh, I have a note so, here. There was a part where like somebody, I think Wolverine says something and like Storm makes a dig on him. And I started making a note. I'm like, oh man, Storm making jokes. How funny is that? And then <laughs> literally two seconds later, Gambit said, oh, even even Storm's got jokes for you now. And I was like, oh my god, I had the same thought as this as this guy. And my and my note says, Does that make does that make me a scumbag? That's what that's what my note says. So yeah, you don't have to yeah. answer, but um that's that's where I was that's where I was at emotionally during episode ten. <laughs> I told you all it would be an emotional roller coaster for us. Oh so we haven't even we're just we're just getting up to the top of that first hill. Of the roller coaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so then one of, so Rogue figures out, oh, cause she sees, uh, she realizes that it wasn't actually Warren. Yeah. Warren comes back to the waiting room after he's been transformed to say, everyone, this is so great. Everyone get in line. I got but, rid of my stupid, shitty, amazing angel wings. Like how awesome I look now. How great I am. But it turns out to be Mystique, right? It was yeah, mistaken impersonating Warren going to the the bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then all the mutants start lining up, and he makes his four horsemen. Mm-hmm. Archangel is now a thing. Yep. And to me, I know you spent a lot of time saying how amazing Angel is, but to me, I think, I think Apocalypse did him a solid as far as being a mutant. I think he's a much more useful mutant. As Archangel. With the, with the robot wings? Yeah, he's got robot wings now. He can shoot, like, knives out of his wings now whenever he wants. He's probably faster with those wings. They probably have some kind of, like, jet propulsion on them now. I mean, the only downside is his blue skin. Mm-hmm. Like... Isn't it a downside, stand- though? It seems like one-third of the people in the X-Men universe have blue skin. Yeah, but that's what makes it down. He's not unique now. Other than... Before he was just white. Before, but he had gorgeous wings. So, I mean, there's some trade-off, you know? Like, right. He's not as right. gorgeous now, and his wings certainly aren't as gorgeous. But they're practical now. Right. <laughs> he, he can be in a fight, and I actually think he might win. <laughs> anyway, so Rogue figures out, and she's like, well, shit, I'm not going to do this cure. I better, like, stop it. And um, <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, and also... Like, while Rogue is realizing this or whatever, Mystique is in the room with her, and she, like, turns away, and for some reason she shifts half of her face back to blue, like, the side that's away from Rogue. Like, I guess just so that the audience will know if if we hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah, well, their audience was uh, um, five to 12-year-olds. That's true, I guess. So. But it was also explicitly shown before and that it was Mystique. Um, but anyway, I, just I'm, a reminder. This isn't a, knock, this isn't a knock on us. But as 30-year-olds, we didn't know if Dr. Adler was real for a good chunk of this time. That's true. That's true. So that could have been the real Dr. Adler. We didn't know until they showed us it was half Mystique. 
That's true. So anyway, <laughs> so she, but just imagine you're like, you're rogue and you're turning like, Mystique, why are you only doing like half of you? That, like, those shadows aren't as dark as you think they are. And your head <laughs> is like, your, your hair is like really red. So like that stands out in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Mystique kind of does that. And then, uh, I don't know. They fight, they go, well, yeah, there's a they go to fight Apocalypse and his base is under Stonehenge. Which is not in Scotland, by it's the not. way. It's not, but you know. Also, it's a World Heritage site, and my running theme actually through these episodes is I kept like wanting to channel Indiana Jones, just be like that belongs in a museum. <laughs> they're like constantly destroying valuable stuff. Yeah, they don't care. They do not. Do, anyway, they, do not uh, about they get away. Rogue's fine. Yeah, Rogue's fine. Everyone's fine. Apocalypse gets away archangel gets away archangel breaks the spell or rogue helps break the spell so archangel is no longer a slave to apocalypse yeah he's still archangel but he's not but what happens to the other horsemen they leave with apocalypse right i think so they get his little weird apocalypse ship and leave Mm, that sounds right his ship is named ship yeah well when you've already taken your name as Apocalypse, there's really nowhere else to go from there. You know, like, you've already said everything that needs to be said. So you don't need to waste time naming a ship. I mean, right. the X-Men is the X-Wing. No one has good ship names, I think. It's the Blackbird, which is just the name of the model of the ship. That's true. It is the Blackbird. I just went Star Wars with the X-Wing. Yeah. <laughs> That's on my bad, everyone. That's on my they, bad. They borrowed it from Luke They Scott borrowed it. They were like, like yeah, hey, we man, are you going to use that? Because we could... That X thing, it really goes well with us. Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, nobody wants to sit by Wolverine. So if he could just have his own one-man X-Wing fighter and everybody else riding the Blackbird, <clears> that would be aces. That would be an ideal situation for all of us yes yes and also um gambit needs his own ship because well yeah but he needs like a two-person ship so he can take his dates out yeah he he doesn't want anybody cramping his style Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) so that is our very accurate and very um 100 what happened we understood it very concise review of the cure (laughs) and come the apocalypse so now we're jumping forward to season three episode 11 obsession which goes very well with this because this episode is all about angel i'm sorry archangel being a, call him warren we'll call him warren you know we're close we're, we're we're friends so warren last we saw was transformed from a man with glorious wings and beautiful blonde hair into a crazy blue man with metal death wings mm-hmm. and he's pissed off about it you know he's 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 not he's not come to terms with it yet. We've gone a full season. We've gone through all of season two, and Archangel has still not come to terms with the fact that he is not the blonde-haired man he used to be. So he spent all of his considerable wealth trying to find a where Apocalypse is and how to kill Apocalypse. He's basically obsessed with Apocalypse, and his goal is to try to lure him out and kill him. And along the way, the X-Men find out what's going on. And they're like, hey, man, uh, you got to be careful. When you play with fire, sometimes you get burned. 
His name is Apocalypse. His name is Apocalypse. So... At some point, for no real reason, Apocalypse just shows up, even though Archangel hadn't really done anything yet to call him out. Like, well, all of a sudden, he's at Ellis Island. Again, another heritage site. Yes. Oh, my first note here is he, um, so he has these scientists and these archaeologists find all these ancient runes about, that pertain to Apocalypse. Yeah. And he's like, he basically has set up his own weird little obsessive museum. Yes. Where it's just like full of like hieroglyphic, uh, um, panels and mm-hmm. like scrolls and shit. Yeah, he's basically he's gone to a lot of countries and stolen their historical artifacts. Yeah, and brought them back to his white man mansion. Like, in, again, Indiana Jones is fucking furious he's about all of this, losing his mind. But so at one point, he asked one of his hired scientists, archaeologists, to translate one of these slabs, and the translation was. Oh, lo, he leveled our city. I, I I just love that the apocalypse leveled their city and they're like, well, we got to write that. But let's let's do it poetically. Also, mm-hmm. let's do it poetically in pictures. And we need pictures that say, oh, lo. So we got to draw, oh, lo. <laughs> I just like the problem with the X-Men cartoon has always been. It's aimed at children but yet it really desperately wanted to be taken seriously mm-hmm. so it was always very flowery in its in its language like everything they really thought they were putting on a shakespeare play here yeah because here's no the doubt. thing is like we were watching this as children yes. but at that time like you know that they were like like 30 year olds who had read all the comics who are watching it and like oh no like in the comics it happened mm-hmm. this way oh, and no. like yeah, they were and, losing their minds. And they didn't have the internet to yell about it, so they were probably just, like, hanging out at their comic shops locally, like, every Saturday afternoon. Like, did you watch it this morning? Like, fuck that. I bet you there were, and I can attest that there probably were, because as a kid, I was like, man, I love the X-Men. I'm going to go to my local comic shop and get X-Men stuff. And I bet you every one of those jerks mocked me when I went in there behind my back when I was picking up X-Men animated series related stuff they were probably at the counter like look at this stupid little kid man he doesn't even know what real x-men is now i'm pissed off now young josh is pissed off (laughs) now i need to go back in time and tell those people what's up to the ship (laughs) (laughs) and like i didn't even know like where a comic store was so i could not even have gone in to be belittled but (laughs) (laughs) well lucky for you yeah. And also not lucky for you that you bl- didn't have a local comic shop. Blissful in my ignorance. Mm. Until now. And now I'm pissed. Where's that <laughs> ship? So I'm mad at people who are older than me and also mad at people who are younger than yeah. me. If you're in your 30s, but... you're cool. Mm-hmm. The rest of you, back up, man. Yeah. Late Tired. 20s maybe also. Like yeah, 25 t- to 35, I'm cool with you. Yeah. Everybody else, either yeah. you you don't know what the internet is or you know too much and I'm mad about <laughs> or, it. Or you think you're better than me. <laughs> Either way, you think you're better than me. You're younger, you think you're better than me. You're older, you think you're better than me. I got time for any of it. Yeah, and you're all wrong. You're all wrong. We're right. <laughs> Anyways, welcome back to Renata and Josh yell at everybody who's not there. Ugh, I'm going to put on my semi-fingerless gloves and write a blog post about this. I know. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 
so they're fighting Apocalypse at Ellis Island somehow. The X-Men get in, involved. Um, at some point, Gambit must do something really judgmental. I don't know what he does because I have a note here that says Gambit is a judgmental prick. Wasn't I he... said I said not cool fat shaming rogue comma Gambit. I think like something happened and she fell on him or something, and he was like, "Oh, you gotta like stop eating so much candy that I stole from a baby for you." Maybe something like that. But there was some. I think there was also something else where he like. I think he's given Angel some shit, Archangel some shit about, like, being a slave. Oh, oh, you know what it is? You know what it is? Is Rogue is like, oh, I gotta go help mm, Warren. Yeah, and everyone yeah, is yeah. like, That's everyone is like, no, don't do it. It's dangerous. I promise like, we watch these episodes. It's, you know what? <laughs> uh, it's been like a week. My memory's had some time to fade. Yeah. And most uh, of these episodes I watched later at night and I would kind of, like, zone in and out. Because yeah. I take this podcast seriously, everybody. Um, yeah, so everyone else is like, Rogue, it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Gambit also was like, it's too dangerous. But I love you, so I'm going to go with you and kind of help out in yeah. a sort of unhelpful way. But also be real jealous about everything you do and, like, kind of more of a hindrance than a help. Yeah. Because... He does ultimately... He does ultimately help. He does help, but, but like, not... But he also f- nags her a lot. Yeah, like, he's a real <laughs> pain in the ass along the way. And you know he was a real pain in the ass on the way back home. I'm like, well, you know, none of you would have survived that if it weren't for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so my, my comment here was when he was giving Warren shit for being Apocalypse's former slave, this is me being one of those nerdy guys at the comic shop we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. wasn't... There was a whole storyline involving Gambit in the uh, in the comics, yeah, Ga- at least. Where... Gambit has been death, the Horseman. Yes, he well, he was that. But one of his backstories before that was he was a he was a slave or a hired hand. I can't remember exactly which one. For, yeah, he, for so, Mister Sinister. Yeah, and murdered a shit ton of Morlocks. Okay, so he was he led. Sabretooth to them and Sabretooth did the murdering technically um just so we're clear on what's happening here (laughs) (laughs) your (laughs) your love for Gambit is such that you're willing to forgive him for leading a mass murderer so basically what you're telling me right now is Okay. Charles Manson. It was a complicated. You're basically okay. telling me Charles Manson is innocent because he technically okay. he didn't murder anybody. It was a complicated situation, <laughs> though. Oh God. Uh, yeah, no, go I'm ahead. gonna just finish this thought. So he he was working for Sinister, but even though his name was Mister Sinister and he looks like a goddamn vampire, he didn't like fully realize how evil Sinister was. And Sinister was like, "Bro, I got to find these Morlocks on a tunnel or something, and I want to like." help them because they're sort of weird homeless people and i just want to help them so like go find them and gambit's like yeah sounds legit i'm not suspicious at all Mm -hmm. and so he goes and finds them and then saber is like for me to murder and gambit's like fuck that's not what i wanted and he like kind of he like saves one of them who is who becomes an x-men and i forget her name okay that all all sounds familiar it's maro he saves maro and she becomes an x-men Okay. And he's like, but he can't really like fight Sabretooth because Sabretooth's like, Mah. so how was Sabretooth? I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> oh yeah, the dialogue just says, Mah. okay, okay, that seems and, legit. Uh, while he's murdering all the other people, okay, so, so Gambit is innocent. 
you know, he just, and he then afterward, he felt so bad about it. He stole some candy and gave I was, it. I was waiting for you to be like, Mr. Sinister <laughs> was like, dude, they got great candy down there. I just want you to go get some. <laughs> That's where I thought that was going for a minute. Yeah. And, I was like, and oh. also, I think this was sort of like revealed in pieces because at first, Everything at in first, is revealed in Exactly. Because at first they were just like, Gambit, I can't believe you did this. And he's like, oh, you're right, I'm the worst. And then it was kind of like, oh, actually, I didn't super know about it. Actually, I've had time to reflect on what happened. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also hired a lawyer named Renata. And she she reminded me <laughs> it's <a> solid point. <laughs> that I technically didn't harm anyone. <laughs> I technically saved one person. You know, so if anything, I deserve a medal. Mm-hmm. And maybe some candy. Uh-huh. So there's there's that. Um, oh, this is the episode where um, Beast falls in love with a, a ship. Yes, name ship. Name ship. So I didn't read it as a love story so much as just like a friendship, but it was no. intense. Whatever, whatever it, it was. You know, it could have been a friendship, but it was love. It might not have been a romantic love, but mm-hmm. these two loved each other. I mean, the ship died for Beast. <laughs> It did. You don't die for someone unless you love them. That's and then true. as soon as that ship died, Beast full on wept. Yeah. Full on wept for the ship that just passed away. All because, right. Because Apocalypse ship was sentient. It it had it it was able to think and and process emotion as well as uh-huh. vocabulary and yeah, because it, it has like a security ap- system. Also hated Apocalypse. Yeah, it had a security system and it started like attacking them. And the ship is like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's my system. And then Beast overrides it and, and the ship is like, oh, thank you. I didn't want to be doing that. It was almost like one of these things where the ship was like, no one's, no one's ever looked at me that way, Beast. Yes. <laughs> and Beast was all like, no one's ever respected me for my programming abilities. And they just <laughs> took off from there. They really clicked, yeah. They ha, they really clicked indeed. Ah. I see what we did there. Okay, so that was pretty much that episode. Apocalypse. Uh, they think oh. they, they think they catch well, Apocalypse in this cool thing, this cool little force field. But Apocalypse is like, nah, man. There's still like several seasons of the show left, so you didn't catch me. Yeah, and, but they temporarily delayed him, and it was all because Beast was nice to the robot ship and yeah. it helped. So the moral of the story is. Be nice to the computer, mm-hmm. and the computer will be nice to you. Also, the other moral of the story is, if you have feelings for a person, it's okay to treat them like shit if they are exhibiting feelings for another person and that hurts you. It's okay to lash out, and then you will save the day anyway, and everyone will forgive you. Because Gambit is a good person who didn't... <laughs> murder anyone <laughs> man uh, i t- i turned on gambit real quick in this podcast <laughs> no, but I, uh, I have one stood. i have one last thing that i want to say which no. is a quote that i wrote no, from good. beast when he was talking to ship and he says <laughs> you defeated apocalypse's override code <laughs> it's just like computer buzzword nonsense yeah, like, like it, these are nine it's the 90s no one knows anything yeah just the like dialogue we, is weak. Just like we used to be able to have an entire plot line where if he puts that floppy disk into the computer, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless the 90s. Yeah. Okay, so now the big one. 
we're now do you have anything else you want to say about archangel's obsession with apocalypse uh i mean just to reiterate that that stuff belongs in a museum okay i hear you mm-hmm. i respect where you're coming from i agree with you but charles is don't give a shit <laughs> and the sooner you realize that the better off your me- your mental health will be okay season four four-part episode called beyond good and evil this is Episodes 8, 9, 10, and 11. In this long, drawn-out series of episodes, there's a lot of cable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Not enough Bishop. I thought, hey, man, we're going to get a lot of Bishop. Nope. He plays a pivotal role, but you only see him a couple times. And... There's, also, there's a moderate amount of Bishop's son, Tyler. Which is just a hilarious to me that he's like, I gotta see Tyler. Cable, yeah, it's Cable's son, Tyler. Oh, shit. It's cool, it's cool. I don't I, care, I, same. <laughs> hey, I brought a Star Wars spaceship into the X-Men, <laughs> so you're in a safe space right now to make, to make nerdy mistakes. Um, I don't know, the guys at the comic shop are probably making fun of me, though. Screw you guys at the comic shop. Trust I me, know. the guys at the comic shop aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, they're recording their own podcast and listening to it right now. Um, do you quick do you listen to your own podcast um, besides like when you're editing it up or anything because well, I don't even listen enough to this podcast to edit it as I'm sure all any listener <laughs> knows man he does not listen to this at all there's there's just shit all through here um sometimes I do I don't yeah. edit it anymore um our friend Becca edits it for me like oh, when awesome. I was editing it myself then I didn't because I was like I had to listen to this a bunch to edit it and now yeah. sometimes I will okay I've, I've always been interested in other people's takes you know like if they would go back and listen and see where they can improve or how great they are I, I yeah can't, it, I can't it's mainly it. that I mainly listen to it just like pat myself on the back no as you should you guys are, you guys do the Lord's work over there at the <laughs> the worst bestsellers and then also sometimes Becca adds things to it so I'm, I will listen oh, that's to those cute. that's fun <laughs> that's awesome okay so this four part series is all about um, time travel it's all about needing to collect a bunch of psychics to do something <laughs> I still don't yeah, so, super understand uh, any of this. They had four episodes to tell us the story, <laughs> and they they dropped the ball significantly. I will say that. Even for a cartoon, even for cartoon standards, they really dropped the ball. But basically, Apocalypse finds what's called the time axis. It's this little area, this little weird area where it's like- it's like Tron, but it's for like Tron, time. But for time. I think that's accurate. And I think that's a good enough description. So from this area, he can see all areas. All times. In the future, in the past. It's basically like the best thing you could do. Especially if you're a man who wants to completely control everything. Yeah. But he can see everything, but he's mainly just looking at like two times. Yeah, he can see everything, but he's really obsessed with the 90s and Mm -hmm. really obsessed with, like, 2,000 years from then. Um, So it starts off with Cable and his son Tyler, as you you so (laughs) 
seriously, yeah. Tyler. That that name endures. It is two thousand years in the future. What was it? Thirty nine ninety nine at the time. And his name is Tyler. <laughs> I know people with the name Tyler. I have friends with Tyler. I'm not making fun of the name. I'm just saying, if your name is Cable, <laughs> why did you name your son Tyler? Yeah, it's like it just doesn't seem like a real futury name. It doesn't feel like a real. So, but then is he Tyler Summers? Because, oh. like. What happens in the future with Cable? Tyler Ascani Gray Summers. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay, so now that we've finally got a hold on Tyler's lineage, um, so Cable and his merry band of misfits finds one of Apocalypse's temples, which at the time we think is the only temple. We have so much yet to learn about Apocalypse. Um, and they go in and they're like, this is this is it. We're going to destroy him now. And the world will be a better place. And Apocalypse is like, psych, because it's the 90s. So he's like, psych, I tricked you. And he steals Cable's time-jumping gadget. Yes. And he goes into... Some might call it a time machine. No, it's a time jumping gadget. They specifically call it the time jumping gadget. I distinctly remember seeing that. Um, fine, a time machine, if you will. Um, I mean, that's just what HG Wells called it. So, oh, I didn't realize we were going to be all particular about this. <laughs> anyway, so Apocalypse, you know, the world's most powerful mutant. The only thing he was missing was a time travel machine. Yeah, which again, what are Apocalypse's powers even? Um, a lot of sleeping. Um, a lot of machine-based power. I'm gonna look up Apocalypse on Wikipedia. You do that. I'm gonna. F- yeah, I'm gonna you, try, you summarize. I'm gonna the try rest to of summarize this. So, Apocalypse discovers the time axis. He then decides this would be a great place to destroy all time and then recreate the universe in his image. Because as we stated earlier, Apocalypse really loves branding. So he is out to remake the world so that everything is A-based. And to do so, he needs powerful psychics. So Mm -hmm. he convinces a bunch of other villains to go kidnap psychics. So the first episode starts with the uh, Scott and Jean getting married. It is a super 90s looking wedding. Super 90s. Um, side note, I would like to interject with Wikipedia's list of Apocalypse's abilities. Let's do it. They are immortality, which I will ca- like it, correct Wikipedia and say that's not his inherent ability. He just has that chamber that no, doesn't form. Not, that's not a mutant power. I think he just yeah. found a workaround. Yeah, anybody could do that if they used the chamber. If if you believe enough, you can do it. <laughs> anyway, so that's one of his abilities. Telekinesis, telepathy, technopathy, reality warping, matter manipulation, energy manipulation, superhuman strength, healing factor, and invulnerability. Um, There are a lot of things I wanted to touch on there. But... 
at the end. So he has a healing factor, but he's also invulnerable. And immortal, except what, he's not really, because that's just a lot. What does he need healing factor for if he can't be hurt? I, yeah, don't know. How do we know that's a power? He's never been hurt. <laughs> he um, has, though. We've seen it. Yeah, I've seen him do a lot of things that I don't understand. Um, oh, now I'm reading more details. The character's total control over the molecules of his body, enabling him to alter his form as it suits him. Oh, that uh, makes that makes as much sense as it could possibly make. Uh-huh. Uh, which, that ability gives him the ability to give himself virtually any superhuman power. Okay. I like that. That yeah, seems... if that had ever been explained even one time, I would have bought that, I think. If they were like, hey, my power is I can do whatever I want, I would be like, oh, all right, I'm in. I buy it. Well, what's this now? Apocalypse's blood can heal other mutants, but is fatal for humans? That's deep. Like, I, there's a lot going on here. That's deep. I hope what that makes vampires? the movie. I, I hope that makes the movie, man. Yeah. We we are going to have to see what Oscar Isaac has and does not have. Yeah. I hope you sneak uh, some good notes when you're in there. Mm-hmm. And on one of your many X-Men journeys <laughs> of podcasting, you let us know how, um, how he well, lives up to his back. Wikipedia article. Yes. <laughs> anyway, back to this cartoon. So all these. So now why does he need all these? All these. uh Right, if he himself Psychic is a mutants. telepath. If he's a telepath, why does he need all these anyway? I guess he needs more power. He kidnaps all these uh, telepaths because somehow all of their powers connected will help destroy all of reality if they're in that one spot together in the time axis. That's the best you're getting out of me on that. He, he, he yeah. brings Magneto in and, like... From the word go, and, everyone's like, dude, Magneto, really? And Magneto's like, yeah, why not? And then later he's like, no, just kidding. I, I was doing it because, you know, I had my own agenda. Yeah. So I was turns, just playing you. I was just playing the player, man. You you think you're the only ones with agendas? I got my own agenda. Don't forget that I am the the top villain here. I'm in the opening credits. So, That's right. Well, Apocalypse is in the opening credits, too, I guess. Anyway, so, big fight. Um, Cable, Cable help, uh, Bishop is the winner in the end. (laughs) Apocalypse is defeated. So what happens along the way, though? Yeah, okay, so back back to the Super 90s wedding, where Jean has chosen salmon as her wedding color. Oh, Um, I don't even remember that. Good eye. So important. Uh, which, you know, Scott can't even fucking see it because of his red glasses. It's wasted on him. Yeah. Or maybe that's like the color you can see best. Anywho, don't know about that. Need some fact checking on what color Cyclops can see. I, but... I wonder if there's a Wikipedia article on that. <laughs> Probably. I'll check later. But so, uh, so Sinister and the Nasty Boys, which, by the way, they're called the Nasty Boys. Try harder, the 90s. Anyway, the Nasty Boys take Jean and kidnap her from her wedding, but not Scott. And it's so funny to me because Scott is like, 
was like Mr. Sinister always wanted both of us. Like, why would he only take Gene? He's, he's so sad that Sinister doesn't want him right now. <laughs> he is. And also, and, and I know it's it's from the comics, whatever, but it's so creepy because, you know, Sinister is obsessed with Scott and Gene's bloodline. Like, he always wants yes. to steal their babies. Yeah, like, Gambit just wants to steal the candy, but Sinister yeah. wants the whole baby. San- Sinister is really into genetics and really into the Summers. Like, and as a kid, I feel like I just didn't really understand any of it. You as know, a kid, I just like, understood that for some reason, Scott Summers was very important and his bloodline was very important. And I don't know why, but everyone better watch out because that Sinister dude means business. Yeah, I, I was always more it, afraid of Sinister than Apocalypse as a kid because he was way creepier looking. Honestly, st- still same, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking. Like Apocalypse just seems cartoony, and Sinister also is like a cartoon vampire. He's very cartoony, but he's but also his like his teeth are so sharp. And and he his thing has always been like, no, I specifically am going to hold you against your will and do weird tests on you. Yeah, like, and Apocalypse is like, I'm not really sure what you want. Yeah. Maybe just the Apocalypse. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, along the way, we oh. Along the way to finding this episode, as I was scrolling through Hulu, there is an episode in season four called Weapon X Lies in Videotapes. Yes. Um, wow. This is a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> so I blame this but show. Was, for it, so was it for kids or no. was it for the guys in the comic shop and we as kids just accidentally watched it? It just happened to be on Fox Saturday mornings. Uh, right. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Tyler is really annoying. Those are most of my notes. Is this this Tyler kid is really annoying, and Cable seems to really hate his son. He yeah, yells he's at Tyler not a, a lot. Though to be fair, did Cable have a good uh, role model for parenting? No, he no. really didn't. Scott Summers really let him down there. Um, I have more notes about. Oh, I have an Indiana Jones note here. At some oh, point, yeah. you got it. Or you do because you've been making the, the thing. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because the instructions, because they're still like trying to uh, solve these like glyphs that explain where Sinister is, and one of them is they have to press a snake glyph, and then uh, I guess I didn't actually write who said this, but somebody said, "Oh, I think it was, uh, it was Cable." Cable. It was your boy Cable, Cable. Says, Ugh, I hate snakes. <laughs> Which is not quite. Why did it have to be snakes? No, but, but you. They were clearly. They were clearly Indians. going for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, at some point they jump into a, a period of time where Bishop and Wolverine and Storm are all together. Oh yeah, like I think it's like, it's an like alternate, alternate timeline. Time okay, yeah, it was really they look weird. Badass. They look really cool. Those I want were, action figures of them. Those were great. Great looks for all of them. Mm-hmm. Bishop then gets thrown off course, so he ends up in the time axis with a really weird guide, a really hyper. Oh yeah, it's Mojo. <laughs> Mojo was that? That was a Mojo, was it? Oh, anyway, let's say it was Mojo. So, yeah, that was pretty much all of episode eight. Bishop ends up in the time in the time axis. Gene gets kidnapped. Xavier is about to be kidnapped by Sinister as well, but then Rogue yeah, I think is. That might be the cliffhanger. Yeah, and then Rogue is like, "No!" and grabs him right at the nick of time. Sounds like something she'd do. Yeah. So then we go to episode nine, and we're back in space, and 
where oh what's the I didn't write down the what's that the group of people that they're always fighting with the Sh- Shiara Shiara oh, the CR? Shiar, yeah aka the angry bird people yes yeah, so Leandra's there Lilandra Lilandra thank you and her sister is attacking them because yeah it's another villain that Apocalypse has employed to kidnap another telepath which mm-hmm. happens to be Lilandra's um bodyguard friend confidant Psych- psychic yeah. psychic psychic envoy friend <laughs> i don't know her secretary of state and <laughs> i noticed for the first time ever and i don't know why because i was watching ion flux at the time but they all those those aliens all look like ion flux especially lalandra like the animation they use for them and like their eyes and everything i was like and how weirdly skinny they all seemed. I don't know. Maybe I was sleep deprived. So I've never seen that, so I cannot. Uh, okay, end. it was an MTV animated show. Ooh. So yeah, so more more telepaths are in danger. So Xavier figures out, hey man, I think something's going on. I think he's after after psychics. So they use Cerebro to figure out what psychic is going to be next, and they accurately pick the one. So they kind of they head over and find Psylocke as she's robbing Warren for some reason. Yeah, why not? Because she's because because she wants to return all that stuff to a museum. Oh, okay. So she's Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm. I was like, oh, cool, Psylocke. And then at some point, both Wolverine and Warren refer to Psylocke as having black hair. Uh huh. And I'm like, what the what the hell are they looking at? She has purple hair. And then I started questioning all my knowledge of color. <laughs> but like, yeah, at one point, like Wolverine's like, I have to find that raven-haired woman. And raven-haired is black, right? Black hair. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder if it's like, Cause it you know, when it when it's so dark black, then it kind of has like a bluish or purple like. Yeah, maybe. Look to it, and that's maybe what they meant. Maybe. But, like, in the comics, Defo does have purple, purple hair. In, in this episode, she had purple hair. Right. But, I mean, I wonder if there was some kind of miscommunication between the animators and, like, the script. I don't know, man. It, it really... I've spent too much time thinking about it. And I just... Yeah. So, that's where that episode is. Psylocke is almost about to be kidnapped. Mystique is now involved. Magneto's involved. And they think they saved Psylocke, and then Magneto's like, no, psych. And he grabs Psylocke. And so now he, Apocalypse has three telepaths kidnapped. And they're just in, like, glass tubes, yeah, by the way. Yeah, they're just, like, in little test tubes. Little, little, little guys. So these, this is the way this arc is going so far, is at one episode, very little plot, somebody gets kidnapped. To be continued. Mm-hmm. Next episode, a little bit more about that plot, but not a whole lot. Just more kidnapping. And then to be continued. And then the next episode, more fighting. A little bit of fighting. I think there's still some more kidnapping. This one's more cable-based. So it's moving the plot a little bit as far as cable finds another space. Uh, nope. Time machine. They're called time <laughs> machines, right? Not not time-jumping gadgets? <laughs> I mean, that's what I heard. Okay, so he gets a time machine, 
from a government agency that oh still yeah has... i love that they were like yeah remember when they outlawed time travel well the government still has one because <laughs> yeah. you remember when the world got rid of their nukes everyone still kept one i was like damn getting real political here x-men cartoon <laughs> um so he steals it from the government but because it's a kid's show he made sure to say i'm gonna borrow it <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh wow, he's gonna he's he's gonna bring it back." Yeah, kids do not steal from the government. No. You can only borrow. You can borrow. And so he travels through time to try to find Apocalypse. And so, yeah, these episodes. Oh, he travels back to last... the beginning of right after his pyramid was built because he's gonna oh, try to destroy cool. him there while he's sleeping. So that none of this ever happened. Yeah. Because then I was like, wait, so he's had a temple for 5,000 years with his head on it and no one really thought anything about it? Yes. Like, no one was ever like, who's that guy, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> These episodes, I had the hardest time paying attention they to. I so kept getting bad. distracted. They could have been really fun. twice because I just couldn't You watched all four all. of these twice? No, no, no. I oh. watched one of them oh, twice. Okay. And then the second time, I still... And then I was like, I still don't know what that was. But I don't care enough to watch this a third time. No. No, I, I watched them all one time. <laughs> it just, I mean, I just couldn't focus at all. And okay. yet, this is something I really enjoyed watching for fun. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I would... I am glad I did it. But um, it was really hard to keep up with this four-part arc. So, yeah. Which you think, and then imagine as to. a kid, you watch only one a week, and then you just got that little previously on. Previously on the X Men. Yeah. Um, I I just have a few things that I want to highlight because most of us do not care. But uh, when so Magneto's like, ah, oh, like I'm not actually with you, Apocalypse. Sinister, aren't you also not with Apocalypse? And Sinister's like, no, I definitely am. And Magneto's <laughs> like, but didn't you hear? He's gonna like destroy everything and remake the world. And Sinister's like, yeah, I think that sounds cool. Yeah, Sinister's <laughs> like, yeah, have you met me? That's like, that's my jam. I like to create things. Yeah, so Sinister's I get to like, make I a race of people. Happen. That's kind of like my MO, guys. Yeah, sounds dope. Sign me up. <laughs> so I, I just, but I thought that whole scene was hilarious. It was Sinister's, pretty... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, and then the other it. thing is when they're destroying it, Apocalypse has like a full Darth Vader moment and says, my beautiful fortress. Because <laughs> <laughs> his beautiful yeah. fortress his, his, just... his little time palace. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. The only other thing that I really have from any of this was every, I never realized this as a as a kid, I guess, but every single time at least in this four-part arc. I don't know about the rest of the series. Every time Bishop was on the screen, a weird cowboy-esque music yes! would play. Oh, my God, I was going to mention that. <laughs> like, yeah, is he, like... I... <laughs> like, like he's, fa- he's followed around by, like, like Desperado. <laughs> or maybe I... he is Desperado. I don't know. It was really... Like, he's a space cowboy. He's a space cowboy. Every, it took me a couple times to notice, and then I was like, "What in the hell is going on?" Yeah. Wait, no, he's not a space cowboy. He's just a time cowboy. He's a time right? cowboy. He's he's a time. Yes, he is a time <laughs> cowboy. So that is pretty much our summary of the four part 
X-Men are It's some fucking nonsense. Do not recommend that you watch it. <laughs> I would take a hard pass on this. Uh-huh. I would recommend the other episodes we've talked about this Yeah, those far. are pretty entertaining. They were okay. But I would definitely recommend this next episode. So we're about then to talk we about. finally we get to the last season of the X-Men. Episode six is called The Fifth Horseman. I had the luxury of and I'm and the honor of explaining the best in, to the best of my ability that four part arc. So why don't you explain? Oh, I yeah, because this one was great. <laughs> also, I again, I watched this one four thirty this morning, so maybe you should explain this one. Yeah, I I mean, I would say I paid like ninety percent attention to those Ooh. versus the other ones. I was maybe at like I don't know twenty. It was mm, not good. That seems like that still seems high, and I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that twenty percent. So this one, yeah, it starts with Jubilee, which my one, I think, well, no, I have a few other, but my main constructive note on this is that Jubilee was wearing, like, safari clothes, and they were just sort of, like, green and white, and they were not as colorful as I would prefer Jubilee to dress, and Jubilee herself would prefer to dress. Yeah, she probably felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like, she wasn't accurately expressing herself. Yeah, like episode five was probably just Beast being like, Jubilee, you can't pack like your yellow trench coat for the jungle. And she's like, but I want to. And it's just like half an hour of that. But I, so we, I, I hope that's right. I, I speculate. <laughs> um, but so this, it starts with Jubilee and Beast are on like a Jeep road trip in the Andes. And they are doing archaeology because of. That is obviously what these two characters are most known for. Yes. Again, the Indiana Jones theme running through this. But they're on, like, an archaeological dig trip. And Jubilee, they stop at, like, a bodega in this village and to get some, like, supplies and stuff. And Jubilee comes back with a world's best teacher mug in English. Mm -hmm. Because, obviously, every bodega has that. Yes. It, that, that, no, that's accurate. That's the and, one thing they got right in this episode. Yeah. Oh, wait, I forgot. The episode opens even before that was something that I... My note just says, um, question mark, because I didn't really understand what was happening. But it, it starts with this, like, young boy who I guess is meant to be, like, a native South American. Uh, he's, like... But he was drawn kind of, like, a cartoon Indian from like Pocahontas, like that. Yeah. He's these were different times. Yeah. So he's being chased by some bros who I did not really know who they were. One except of one of them had, was Taliban. Yeah, and one of them had a mutant power that they could make boomerangs appear. Yes. But they so were like laser boomerangs. Yes. So that's a good power to have. Totally awesome. But despite the laser boomerang, this kid gets away. And then we see Apocalypse yelling at the character Fabian Cortez, who is kind of a shady dude. And I'm going to straight up admit I forgot all about Mm -hmm. until this episode. I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So uh, Apocalypse explains in a very convoluted way that like, oh, uh, you know, time is limited because the celestial alignment is happening soon. Mm-hmm. And when the celestial alignment is happening, then I can possess a host body and that'll be awesome. So we got to get a host body. And so it has to be like a young, powerful mutant. Yes. 
So these guys and are trying to to get that. And then we kept, and then it's Jubilee and Beast having their safari. This so and, far is the the most accurate we've described any of these episodes. So I hope <laughs> everyone has stuck with us for the hour and a half that it's taken us to actually become a professional podcast. Yep. Thank you. Well, for we were. I was just waiting for a Jubilee centric episode, and then I could tell you about it. Right on, man. I appreciate you bringing the professionalism because <laughs> it ain't gonna be me. <laughs> and they uh they find this other temple a temple My notes... no one knew existed somehow uh, yet another temple to apocalypse i it's have huge and there's like infinity people outside of it he has a it... cult again another one yeah it's another temple with his face on it so again not trying to hide anything right you know hiding in plain sight but my question was was this temple did this temple always exist or did time change after they locked him in the time axis? That I'm not clear about. And I'm also, like, Beast kind of tries to explain this way. He's like, oh, this is so weird because, you know, we're in Inca territory, but this looks like a Mayan temple. Mm-hmm. And Julie's like, maybe something, something. And Beast is like, no, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, okay, you're right. You're right. Thanks. Why, why am I watching this now? Thanks right. for going ahead and admitting that none of this makes sense. Glad I'm spending right. my Saturday morning with you. <laughs> so anyway, they get caught by the Apocalypse cult. And they, of course, they want Jubilee to be Apocalypse's host, which yeah. would be kind of amazing, honestly. But And at one point, that. they're like, she's a powerful mutant. We need her. Yeah. That is, I, I, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, finally, somebody respects Jubilee. That's she right. She gets shit on so much. Yeah. Apocalypse appreciates her. Yeah. Uh, anyway. It's just Apocalypse, though. Be nice if her own team appreciated her once in a while. Anyway, and also they make Jubilee change her clothes, and they make her wear this, like, feather headdress. And, like, I'm not an expert, and I don't know what authentic Incan temple gear... And I guess technically they're not Incans. They're Apocalyptians. Yes. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was all, like, very offensive, though. Uh... It was all very inaccurate and um, very racist. Yeah, not cool, bros. Anyway, so Jubilee is like all dressed up and tied to a table. Again, it's very Indiana Jones. Meanwhile, something happened to Beast and it made him go into like feral beast mode. And so he's just kind of like wilding out and he runs away and he like smashes up their Jeep in a fit. But then he sees the world's best teacher mug and he's like, no, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) And his humanity comes back. Yeah, and then he goes back to help her out. And then also Caliban, who is one of the Morlocks, who didn't die, or it's a different well, timeline. The, in the animated show, there was never a Morlock massacre. Right. But Caliban exists in the comics, too. Yes, that's there's true. There's different, like... Listen, there's, different there's a lot of different Morlocks. There's a lot happening. A Hashtag lot. not all Morlocks. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Caliban had been kind of brainwashed by Apocalypse, but then he sort of snapped out of it. And he's like, no way, Julie's my friend. I'll help too. And so they get her out of there. Uh, they kind of blow up the temple somehow. And Fabian Cortez is like, oh no, Apocalypse, I'm sorry. I didn't get you a host, bro. And Apocalypse is like, yes, you did. And then there's the celestial alignment. And then Apocalypse takes over Fabian Cortez. Yep. And, and then bam, the show gets canceled. 
the end. Yes. <laughs> and my, there was, my note was like, oh, good. Apocalypse is back. The temple's falling down. The show gets canceled. Yeah. So oh, and there's briefly, the like, as the temple is collapsing, I don't remember who now. I think Julie's like, oh, we should go back no, for Beast. Cortez. Beast oh, like, Beast is like, we should go back. Because <laughs> he's, like, like, superhuman now. And Julie's like, there's no time. Bye. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Julie's bye. like, no, he tried to kill me. Yeah. He, for like, he, yeah. He can stay. He, he's getting what he deserves, Beast. Right. So but they yeah. didn't realize. The ironic thing is if they had saved Cortez, then there would not have been a host for Apocalypse. That's true. See? The moral in this story is always do the right thing because otherwise ancient beings will possess people and haunt you forever. Or until your show gets canceled. Yes. Whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was yeah, our... Yeah, we, we've learned our lesson. We've learned many lessons today. Through our trip through the 90s. Through our little time travel with our time jumping gadgets. Yeah. We have learned many valuable lessons. The most... the the I think what I took away most from this time travel experience is that that X-Men theme song is still hot as shit. Oh, the best. It is the one of the best theme songs out there. I I will put it up with any theme song that you say is the best. It will tie or beat it. It was great. And it, it's like on par with Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's right up there. It is right up there. And when we when we start season five, episode six, the one you just discussed, they changed the theme song. It was different. There was like different riffs in it now, and I was like, "What the shit is happening?" I'm up oh. at four thirty in the morning to watch this, and you're going to give me a bullshit theme song. I don't. Maybe want the it was remix. just a side effect of the of the time travel. That could have been. Maybe that was its way of telling me we're in a different reality now. Mm-hmm. Oh, those subtle the subtleties of the X Men never cease to amaze me. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so if for no other reason, go back and watch the X Men because that theme song still gets me pumped. And then yeah. the episode starts, and I'm like, oh, whoops. Right. Uh, it's still this. It's still this. So I'm just going to rewind and just listen to that theme song. All right. So that's the X-Men. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about our trip through animated X-Men history? Um, I still legitimately enjoy this show some episodes of. I still legitimately think Gambit is great oh, despite what, his flaws. You have proved beyond <laughs> any doubt <laughs> that you are true ride or die for gambit <laughs> i have a i have a, a action figure of like 90s style gambit with the hot pink uh armor and all that and it sits on top of my computer at work and watches over me well as long as there's no saber tooth around you should be fine right <laughs> <laughs> you've made that abundantly clear <laughs> yeah and sinister also yes he was led astray that's true and you never bring candy to your desk, I'm sure, so there's no reason for, for you to worry about camping. Well, he he can only pick pockets or steal candy from babies. That's true. So, you, so he just he can't get it out of my desk drawer. It's no, not one of his things. It's not one of his powers. It's not one of his mutant powers. <laughs> He's limited there. Yep. So we have not seen the X-Men movie. As of right now, the X-Men movie is probably is just showing in some theaters for mm-hmm. when we're recording this. So are you still excited for the new X-Men movie? What's your what's your take on the X-Men movie before you've seen it? What's your I mean, level of excitement for it? 
Are you uh, worried? Very high. I wish I am a little, there have been, uh, at the time we've recorded, I haven't seen yet, but there have been some kind of bad reviews I've coming seen, out. I've seen it too. I don't, I'm not but reading them, but I've seen that it's, I've seen, yeah, like press. just like bad tweet headlines, yeah. but I'm not, yeah, I haven't really read the reviews. Also, I don't really care necessarily what critics say. Cause I feel like the first two of, of this newer trilogy, I feel like yeah. days of future past and, uh, first class. I don't think they were super well reviewed either, but I enjoyed the shit out of those. Movies. I did too. I really enjoyed both of those. I was really excited that they were like, I feel like they were getting, they were getting it right. Yeah. They were starting to get the characters right. They had great actors playing all of these characters now. I was very happy with the last one days of future past. Yeah. That one was great. And I'm um, really the, the excited previews for this we've one. seen with like the young mutants, including Jubilee, it looks yeah. great. I'm Again, excited. I don't really give a shit about apocalypse that could be done, but I think there'll be enough stuff that I enjoy. I am really excited because I feel like this is just the start of a new X Men cinematic universe now. Like yeah. I feel like this is last movie was basically the reset, and now we're getting all of the mainstay X Men characters. Again, we're getting Jean Grey and Nightcrawler and. Love them or hate them, Cyclops. You know, we're getting all the the main characters that we all grew Storm. up with. Storm, Storm. yeah, and we're getting like Mohawk Storm, yeah, which is amazing. Psylocke is coming. Like we're getting all these awesome characters. So I'm really excited to see what the next movie brings and the movie after that. Especially since most of the actors playing them now are, are relatively young. They're playing the young versions of them. Yeah, so, so they're like in we it can to get, win it. Yeah, we can get a like a good chunk of movies out of them. All right. So that's the show. Renata, where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. Uh, you can find my podcast, The Worst Bestsellers, where we read books so you don't have to. <laughs> and recently we read X-Men colon Executioner's Song, which is a very 90s arc of X-Men comics. And, uh, and I talked a lot about Gambit also there. So if you <laughs> like me talking about Gambit, check that out. <laughs> And then upcoming, we are reading the novelization of the movie X-Men 3, colon, The Last Stand, which is written Jeez. by Chris Claremont and oh is god. fucking bananas. Oh, my God. So I can, you can find it there. At, that is at worstbestsellers.com. It's in iTunes and all the other places where podcasts live. Awesome. Thank you again for joining and talking about X-Men. I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad we got an excuse to rewatch these X-Men shows so thank you x-men movie for giving us a reason to do that of course yes thank you for having me and giving uh giving me somebody to talk to gambit anytime anytime you want to talk about anytime you want to talk about gambit (laughs) or you want somebody to do a bad gambit impersonation you know where to find me (laughs) merci mon ami (laughs) (laughs) all right take care all right bye All right, well, that was part one of our X-Men extravaganza. Join us again in a few days. We're going to be looking at the X-Men Age of Apocalypse series. We're going to, since that's such a large series, we're going to break it down into two different episodes. I'm saying we, and I'm not using the royal we. There will be a guest along with me, but I am not revealing that guest right now. Super secret. Anyway... Thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Renata, for being a part of Librarians Assemble. And please join us again in a few days. Take care.